Good morning, everyone. Happy to have you back here on the live stream with us. And happy to be singing with you from your living rooms and dining room tables this morning. We have more songs this morning that sing about not only Jesus' victory over death and his uh, saving grace in your life, but also songs that have to do with fighting against fear and speaking against fear in our lives, which a lot of us are feeling right now. So we hope that you're ministered to by these songs and that you sing along with us this morning. Let's sing Stand in Your Love. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not a captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind No, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power in your name. There's power in your name. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power in your name, there's power in your name. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. 
Let's sing, Everyone Needs Compassion. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures And fill my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in And now I surrender My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save, forever author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave, shine your light and let the whole world see, we're singing for the glory of the Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Yes, Lord, this morning we give you praise and glory. 
We thank you, God, that you rose and conquered the grave. You conquered the grave for all of us. And in rising again, you secured our salvation forever. And so we can sing this morning with confidence, knowing that my ultimate need is taken care of. My sin need is taken care of. And we thank you, God, that you are in control of everything, that nothing that is happening in the world, nothing that has ever happened, nothing that ever will happen is outside of your control and your understanding. You are not at a loss today about what to do in the world and in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you do hold the world in your hands. And we thank you also that you hold our lives in your hands as well. God, we ask your blessing over the sermon this morning. Help us to listen, to pay attention, to hear what you have to speak to us. And even though it's different than what we're used to in terms of taking in a sermon, God, you still move through this as well. Your word never never fails, and your word will be heard this morning. We thank you for this time of worship and ask you to help us to continue to worship as we hear your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to have you with us here today. Uh, even though it's through uh, this means, we're, it's wonderful to have you here. You know, I was thinking, my wife and I technically aren't supposed to be here today. Several months back, actually going back maybe six months, my daughter, Sarah, who's ministering in Iraq, asked for us to come over and visit her in Iraq. And this, we were literally, this today, Sunday, we were supposed to be in Iraq. But as you can imagine, that didn't happen um, because of the whole pandemic issue. So we're here instead. But having had the opportunity of travel abroad quite a bit, um, I'm always watching travel advisories, especially internationally. A couple years back, I don't know if you remember, there was a coup in Turkey, and um, I was supposed to go over and visit Turkey literally two weeks after the coup. And we had to end up making some adjustments there. We ended up going, but just a little bit later uh, because of the travel advisory and what we were told by the State Department. Um, another time, my wife and I had actually traveled over to Lebanon, uh, Beirut, Lebanon, for a pastor's conference. And um, it, 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 I was a little nervous going um, just because of some of the turmoil over there. We looked at the travel advisory. We thought about who we'd be with, and we decided to do it. Sure enough, four days after we left, they closed down all the airports because there was a major demonstration in the country, but we made it out, and we were very thankful. So we're aware of travel advisories, especially if you travel overseas. And what will happen with the travel advisory You'll, you, you're going to find out from the country of destination, you, you want to find out what the safety level is. You're concerned about things like terrorism, disease, weather condition, crime, and civil unrest. So we're very aware of that internationally in our day. I would argue that in the ancient world, they needed travel advisories perhaps even more than we do. Because you could travel a short distance in the ancient world and it was much more dangerous than it is for you or I to hop in our car and, and drive a couple miles. It's a different world. It was a different world then. 
What happens, um, Psalm 121, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. In many ways, is a kind of uh, ancient travel advisory. You've got all the concerns in this chapter that you will typically have when you travel. And, and probably, there, there's some debate on it, but probably what's happening in Psalm 121 is you have pilgrims that are on their way up to Jerusalem for one of the festivals. And they're traveling perhaps 50 miles or, or, or 100 miles, depending upon where they're coming from, or maybe even more. And there, there's all kinds of potentialities you have, you have to watch out for. You have to make sure you have enough food. That you'll have water to drink. There's robbers along the way. There's, 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 there's animals, wild animals you have to be careful of. All of those kinds of concerns in the ancient world, um, people how to watch out for those things. What's interesting to me when you come to Psalm 121 in this travel advisory, there's a whole nother element that's added. And it's the element of God. Because that ends up reconfiguring everything. So I want to read through the psalm with you. But I want you to notice two things. Number one, I want you to notice... Who is speaking? Because there's a shift that goes on. It's only, the, the psalm is only eight verses. But in the first two verses, you have the first person singular, where, where, where the actual pilgrim himself, who's going to be going up for this festival, traveling who knows how far, you have him speaking. And then in verses three to eight, you have a fellow ping, pilgrim speaking to that pilgrim. Perhaps a seasoned believer in the faith who's been up to the festivals many times. So first of all, one person is speaking about this giving a travel advisory. And then somebody else is speaking into that. And the element that they bring in, they don't minimize the danger. What they do is they add God to the equation. And that changes everything. So let's walk our way through this, this psalm. Oh, the other thing I want you to notice in Psalm 121 is the repetition of particular words. You will find the word help or, or helper twice in the first two verses. And you will find the word protector. Some of the translations use the word watch over. It's, it's the same Hebrew word used six times in verses 3 through 8. So these qualities of God are going to come to the forefront. And here's what I would want to argue. Although we're going to be talking about the journey that a Jewish pilgrim makes up to Jerusalem in obedience to God. That, 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 that's going to be where we're going to spend most of our time. I want you to be thinking about your journey with God. Where does he have you? If you know him as your Lord and Savior, you as a follower of Christ are on a spiritual journey with God. And so what is said to, to the pilgrim, the Jewish pilgrim going up to Jerusalem, is also said to us as a believer in Jesus Christ, as we walk through life and seek to honor him with all the dangers that lurk and surround us. So notice first in verses 1 and 2, the traveler speaks. And he starts out with a question. He says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. 
Whence will my help come? From where will my help come? Now, again, in the ancient world, if you're looking at a trip that you have to make and you're going to be going down in the valleys and up over the mountains and, 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 and as, as this writer is just projecting out and looking at the journey ahead and moving into the mountains, he, he can't help but think to himself, that's an area that's foreboding. That's a place that's scary. What, what, what wild animals will we have to face? What, what, what robbers may come into the, the, the area? If the sun is so hot and we don't have enough water, what does that mean for us? At, at nighttime, are, are there enough of us together? Will there be people lurking or animals lurking trying to, to attack us? I mean, all those things will be going through their mind. They're, they're looking at the mountains. They're looking at the trip ahead. And he looks up, and he, as he looks at that, he says, where will my help come from? I'm not going to be able to pull it off on my own. There's too many uncertainties. There's too many things I can't control. From, from where will my help come? D- do you see? Th- this, is, this is a question that, that's mixed with concern. Do you ever feel that way in life? Do you ever look at the future? Yes, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You look at the future and you say, how am I going to make it through? The mountain is too huge. I, I don't know that I can get up it. Even if I can, what will I experience on the way? From, from where will my help come? This is a cry that the, that the child of God has said for millennia. Do you see? Notice his answer in verse 2. My help is from Yahweh, maker of heaven and earth. Now, now don't miss that. All of the concerns of this Jewish pilgrim is as he's traveling up to Jerusalem and he's got to go uphill and downhill and through crevice and go over here... As, 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 as he's thinking about all those things, it's all stuff that you experience here on earth, isn't it? And he says, my help will not ultimately come from anything here. My help will come from one who is outside of the here. The maker of heaven and earth. It's a wonderful statement. It's, 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 it's a statement that on the one hand recognizes the dangers we face and on the other hand recognizes that my only ultimate hope can come in one who is outside of all of this. The creator God who is maker of heaven and earth. It's a wonderful statement of faith. What I love in the passage is you have another pilgrim that pulls up beside this pilgrim. And I don't know, maybe it's a priest, a seasoned believer, if you will. And he's going to speak into the faith of this pilgrim to help him advance even more in his faithfulness to God. What does he say to the pilgrim? Notice 
Notice the words in verses 3 to 8. And it kind of comes in three waves in verses 3 and 4, 5 and 6, and 7 and 8. So let's read them one wave at a time. So here's the seasoned believer speaking to this other believer who recognizes it's God. And, 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 and I was just thinking about this uh, last night. I was looking over it again. He talks about God being the, the maker of heaven and earth. And in verses 3 and 4, he's going to talk about the earth and what you experience on the ground. And then he's going to talk about the heavens above the sun and the moon. Because God's in charge of all of that, as he's already told us in verse 2. First of all, on the earth itself, look at verse 3 and 4. He will not let your foot slip. He who protects you will not slumber. Look, he will not slumber and he will not sleep. He who protects Israel. Do you notice the repetition there of the word protect? And some of the translations will say uh, watch over. But, but, but it's, it's the same Hebrew word. And what happens is this pilgrim seasoned believer, as he's talking to this particular pilgrim, he wants to really make it emphatic. So he says it basically twice and even in stronger language the second time. But the first time he says, look, he won't allow your foot to slip. He who protects you will not slumber. Um, This passage tells me that God is always attentive. Uh, that's not always true of us. I, I, I remember a couple years ago when my uh, firstborn, Paul, was just about maybe, I don't know, he, he couldn't have been more than a year and a half, maybe two years of age. And, and I, I was downstairs. He was at the top of the steps. Okay, you, you see where this thing's going. And, and I was sitting on the couch and I looked up at him And for whatever reason, I saw that he tripped. And you know what happens? He begins to tumble down those steps. And at the very bottom of our our steps, we have this post, this wooden post that doesn't move. And you you kind of felt like everything was in slow motion, you know. So I'm going, no! And I'm getting up off of the couch and I'm running as quickly as I can over. And sure enough, I got there just as his head hit that post. I, 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 I was late. It, it, we're late sometimes. We try to be attentive. Sometimes fathers are in charge, supposed to be watching their kids while mom's away, and they're focused on that football game, and they're not attentive on what's going on. Sometimes we fall asleep. God never does any of that. God never says, nuts, I didn't get there in time. He's always there on time. He's never asleep. He's always attentive to his people, folks. Do you see that? So he tells us in verse 3, one of the things you worry about if you're traveling up mountains is that you're going to lose your footing and slip and fall. I've done enough hiking through the years that I've done that one too. I mean, not, not serious falls, but I've fallen. I mean, it's just 
It's kind, kind of part of the process. And, and you know if you're with your kids, when you're helping them down on a hill or something like that, and they start to slip, you grab them and you hold them. Because you don't want that foot to slip. Wherever we are in our lives, folks, God is always there. He's never late, and he's always attentive. But just so you don't miss the point, look at what he says in verse 4. Starts out with the word look, or some of the translations say indeed. It's, 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 it's a word getting your attention. It would be like me saying, hey, listen. So he's just made the statement in verse 3. Now he's going to repeat it again by saying, hey, listen to me. This is really important. Look. Look, he says. He will not slumber, and he will not sleep. He who protects Israel. You know what that means? You and I, the Jew in the ancient world, were in a covenant relationship with God. And because they were part of that nation, and because God had his care upon that nation, and you have a faithful pilgrim who's trying to obey God, God has made a covenant to protect them and watch over them. In the New Testament, If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we are part of what's called the new covenant. And he identifies the God who is in covenant with you. The God who has given his son. The God who has saved you. The God who has given you his spirit. The God who will guide you through life. The God who will give you a new body one day. That God who is in covenant relationship with you. Look! He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Isn't that amazing? The pilgrim's on his way, and he knows God is his help. And this other seasoned believer comes to his side and says, let me tell you about God. And the thing I'm going to tell you about God again and again is, he protects, he protects, he protects. He will always be attentive to where we are. That's the point of verse 3 and 4. In verse 5 and 6, the Bible tells us he's always present in a powerful way. Remember I told you in verse 3 and 4, he's talking about slippering. He's, he's slippering, he's being, slipping and so forth on the earth, that kind of thing. He's going to now switch gears in verse 5 and 6 to the heavens. Look at what he says in verse 5 and 6. Yahweh is your protector. Yahweh is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor will the moon by night. See, he's the maker of heaven and earth. So let's talk about the things on earth. God's got it. He's attentive. Let's talk about the things in the heavens, the sun and the moon. God's got that too. He is your protector. He's, he's your shade at, the right, at your right hand. Um, you would know this, but, but kind of geographically, if, if you're traveling north down to Jerusalem um, 
and, and, and you're, you're coming along, when that sun is going to hit you, it's going to be more in, at the noon hour in the afternoon because the sun would be on your, on, on your right because that would be the west. And, and so what happens is as, 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 as they're traveling down and, and they're thinking about this sun which is beating down and it is just hot. God is that shade that is always there with you. Sometimes when I take long trips, um, we're hoping to take a trip out to Michigan to see our new, well, we, we, we don't have her yet, but we're expecting a new baby granddaughter here in just about a month. Um, and so we're hoping to go out there and visit. But you know what happens sometimes in the summertime when you're driving your car for like five or six hours and the sun beats down on this side, you know, and you're, I don't know if you've had that experience and you're going like, man, my left arm is hot. You know, and you, you try to shade it whatever way you can. It, it, it's just hard to do. And it just beats down. You go, that, that, I, I don't like that. Or, or perhaps you've been hiking and it's just hot. Or you're on the beach and it's just plain hot. I love those, those canopies at the beach. You know, I, I, those umbrellas. I know they kind of blow away. But, but aren't they nice? Around noontime, you can put one of those things up. You can read a book and you're shaded from that sunlight. And, and the writer says, when you think of the sun and, and, and the heat it can bring and the thirst that could, be, that, that could accompany that, I want you to know something. Wherever you find yourself, God is there as your shade. So he says in verse 6, the sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Now why does he say... Well, he speaks about these two things in heaven. But basically when he says that, what he's saying is your entire day and night. If he talks about the sun and the moon, that means everything you experience for 24 hours, seven days a week, 12 months a year for your entire life. While there's sun and while there's moon, whatever could come your way from those things, whatever fear comes in at night, whatever heat comes during the day, God is always powerfully present with you. I found, if you're like me, that in my moments of aloneness, I wonder if God is really there. And this psalm is reminding us afresh. He's not just there. He's powerfully there. He knows just what you need at that moment to allow you to take that next step, whatever that next step might be. So believer in Christ, I don't know where you find yourself today, but I know that God is there. And he'll give you what you need to take that next step because he's powerfully present. He's always attentive to what you're experiencing. Verses 7 and 8, 7 and 8 then, he ties the whole thing together for us. And he's going to, he wants us to know in every situation, at all times, God is sovereign. Look at what he says in verse 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all harm. 
Or we might translate it even like this. Yahweh will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. You see how he's repeating that statement again and again about protecting? Yahweh will protect your going out and your coming in from now until forever. So he says this. Think of anything that could bring you harm. Anything. Because he uses the word all harm here. And remember this. Yahweh is there to protect you. Yeah, but what about he's there? When my kids, he's there. If my husband, he's there. My own, he's there. Yahweh will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. He'll protect your going out and your coming in. We, we, we call this, literary scholars call this, a merism. It just means by showing people the two extremes, you cover everything in between also. So God will be with you when you're going out, wherever that is on this pilgrim tour, this pilgrim trip. And He'll also protect you and watch over you when you're coming back. You know what that means? He's always there. He's always protecting you. Is there any harm that comes your way that God is not there? The answer is no. God will protect you. Both now and forevermore. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? So he says, if you look at your life and what you do each day, I will be there when you start the day. I'll be there when you end the day. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to be there again. And the day after, I'll be there again. It is both now until eternity. What a psalm. So what's he telling us? I would argue that he's telling us this. In the midst of potential danger, because everybody faces some kind of danger, let us rest in our ever-sovereign, ever-loving, ever-attentive protector. He's always over it. He's always got it. He's always for us because of Jesus Christ and nothing that comes our way can come our way apart from his allowance. He's the protector of God. You know, I was thinking about this. As true as this was for this pilgrim, this committed Jewish believer who, who was traveling up with at least one other person who was encouraging him, as true as this was for them under the old covenant, how much more is this true of us today, folks? You who know Jesus Christ. You know, in the book of Matthew, when, 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 Jesus, is, when Jesus is announced to Joseph, in Matthew chapter 1, the Bible tells us that his name is Emmanuel, which being translated means God with us. So Matthew begins his book by telling us this. 
Jesus Christ has come into this world into this world so that he might be with us. That tells us about his entire earthly ministry. Matthew tells us that in his first chapter. You know how he ends his book with what we call the Great Commission? He ends the very end of verse 20 of Matthew 28. He says, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has become one of us. He has walked with us. He has died for us. He was buried. He resurrected. He's ascended. He's coming back. But he's with us. Yes, God was with his people in the Old Testament. But God became one of us in the New Testament. And and Matthew tells us Christ is ever with us. One one other thing I thought I want to qualify, because if, if you're listening to me right now, you may be saying, okay, I hear you, Finkbeiner, but what about? And here's, here's one of the whatabouts that, that people often will share with me. They'll say, okay, I, I see what you're saying. God is always with us. He's the protector. He never lets us foot, he won't let our foot slip. He won't let this, he won't let that. Okay, but then how come Christians get sick? And then how come Christians die? And then how come Christians have financial difficulty? And how come, how come, do, do you see? And, 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 and what happens is you can read a passage like this and you can say, is this text telling us if we get sick and we say, God, please heal me, that that will mean clearly God every time will heal us and we'll be fine. No, it doesn't mean that. What, what, what it does mean, and I want to read a verse to you here in just a second. What it does mean is this. Nothing will befall us, folks. That is outside God's loving and wise watch care. And nothing can ultimately ruin our relationship with God. Let me, let me tell you where I get that. If you have your Bibles, you might want to just for a moment turn over to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. I'm just going to read one verse there. Luke 21 and verse 18. Earlier in the book of Luke, and again in the book of Acts, you'll find this too. In Luke chapter 12... Jesus has already said that I've numbered all the hairs of your head and that you're more important to me than the sparrows. Okay, so if you look up here right now, here I got a full set of, I, I, my, 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 I need a haircut for sure. So I got a lot of hair up here right now. God's got every one of those numbered. Okay, and that's a way of saying I watch over you, I'll protect you, that, that kind of thing. But look at Luke 21 and verse 18. Notice what, what it says. The text says this. Jesus is, matter of fact, I'm going to go back to verse 16. You will be betrayed by parents and brothers and sisters and relatives, and, and they will put some of you to death. In other words, Jesus is talking to his people, and he's saying, because you know me, some people will hate you so much. Even some family members. But, but others will put you to death. And That's serious. Look at what he says in verse 17. Everyone will hate you because of me, verse 18. But not a hair of your head will perish. I've often thought about that verse. 
And I've said to myself, wait a second. You just said that I might be put to death by them. But not a hair of your head will perish. Oh, great. So I'm in a casket and my hair looks real nice. Who cares about that? You're missing the point of the text. You know what? The the text is telling us this. It doesn't mean that you and I don't get sick and, and aren't going to die one day and won't first face persecution. What it means is God is always with us in that. He's always up to something and it will never result in our ultimate ruin because our stories cannot be read merely in this life. They must extend into eternity. And when you see your life in light of eternity, folks, he always protects He always watches over. He always helps. So much so that he can say, and not a hair of your head will be removed. And the point there is, nothing can come into your life that will ultimately keep you from experiencing the true and living God. There's no mistakes with God. If you're struggling... God is there. Whatever happens, God is there. And God is good. And God is sovereign. And you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, will always live at the end of the day. Because you'll stand in his presence. One other thing as I was thinking about this psalm, I thought it was interesting That you've got an individual pilgrim who's expressing to God the fact that, Lord, I can't control this stuff here. You're my help. And you've got another believer coming alongside, putting his arm around that person. I guess you can't do that now, can you? Um, You have to be six feet apart, but whatever. But coming along beside that pilgrim and saying, this is who God is you'll be fine. And can I say this? In your life and in my life, we need to be the individual who in our own faith walk with God sees how big the mountain is and says, God, you're my help. I, I, I don't help God. I need you. That, that, that's part of the way we live. But we also need people to come beside us. And encourage us in that faith walk with God. Do you see? You should personally say, God, be my helper. You should also invite others in who can remind you of that truth. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should be coming into the life of other people and helping them in their faith walk with God. This is a corporate text. It's not an individual text. It's what we do individually and together. They're means that God has given us. And if we will do both of those, folks, wherever you find yourself on the path of life, as you're seeking to walk with the God you love, he is attentive. He is always powerful. He is always present. And he is always sovereign. Maybe you're listening today, and you say, boy, that's really nice what you're saying. But 
but I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. This passage, frankly, is not for you. This passage is for people who know the true and living God through Jesus Christ. The passage you need to hear is, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. I will forgive your sins. I will allow you to become a forgiven follower of mine. Then you can enter into a journey with me too. And then this psalm is also for you. This is a psalm for God's people. And if you're not a child of God, today, right now, you could bow your knee and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, we are overwhelmed when when we read Psalms like this one. Lord, we all need travel advisories. We all get scared. We all look at the danger around us, physical health, relational health, financial issues, and on and on it goes, Lord. But may we remember as the people of God that you are ever-present, you are ever-attentive, for you are the protector. You are here for your people. And Father, for anyone here that's listening, that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. May they come to know today the joy and the wonder of becoming a child of God, to becoming a forgiven follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, for all of that and for who you are, we thank you. In Christ's name, amen.